Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the lost to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, starting with verse 11. Jeremiah, chapter 29. We are starting this morning, continuing along the theme of discipleship. We are starting a new series, which is the next phase of Jesus' model of discipleship called Shiloh. Shiloh means to seek and to find Amen. How many know the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me? In Jeremiah chapter 29, the next phase in the Talmudine process, again, is Shiloh, meaning to ask questions or to seek out and experience the way of the master. In other words, in Jesus' model of discipleship, it was more than just coming and sitting in a classroom. Many of the other rabbis, their only goal was to create disciples. Amen? So it was not come along with me on the journey. It was come and sit in my classroom. And often that's what we've made modern-day discipleship. Come and sit in my service, sit in my classroom, and listen and maybe take some notes and glean something from what I say. Jesus' approach to discipleship was quite different. It was come along with me on the journey and watch, observe, and experience, and what you take away is a bit of who I am. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't come just to teach you what he knows and show you what he did. He came so that you might do what he did and be who he was. And that's a lot different. That's what we've turned church into, though. We've turned church into come and hear what I say and experience what I do. Isn't it? Experience what I do. We want to just experience what God does, experience what Prophet Marvin does or Pastor Marvin or Prophet Johnny or Pastor Woody. Or, and we just we hope they do something that is exciting. They hope they do something that's, that's wow, that's ooh, you know, and, and really gets up my, you know, puts a chill in my spine. And, oh, you know, hope they, listen, if you put your encountering God and experience with Jesus Christ, if you put that all on me and what I do, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> I might mess up. Today might be the worst sermon I ever preached. What you going to do then? <laughs> Pray for me. No, you've got to experience God and Jesus Christ based on your pursuit of him. You're seeking him, not my seeking him. Oh, I'm going to seek him because I'm going to lead. And I pray you follow, but don't follow and keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Because that's when part of the problem in the church. So many in the church, put their, they got the, they, they're seeking. They, they're seeking something in church. They're seeking some experience, some encounter. 
from the church, what you should be seeking is something from God himself, to experience God himself, to experience the heart of Father himself. It's like I was telling them in Africa. I don't learn Hebrew and all that for the sake of intellect or knowledge. or this. I want to know the language of my Father. I want to know the language of my Father. Well, you mean God speaks Hebrew? How do you have evidence God speaks Hebrew? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Hebrews, just the language or the linguistic that he chose for a demographic of people, a certain people called the Israelites, okay? But listen, I don't care if it was Arabic or whatever God chose. That's not the point. The language of my father is his love. See, and, and, when, and, and when I understand that, then when I look at the Hebrew, I understand that the olive, in the olive, I see the language of my father. In the very first Hebrew letter, I see the language of my father because in the olive, I see the plan of redemption. I see his love when I understand it. And then when I see the bait, I understand that from the beginning, God foreknew me. He saw me. Because of his love. When I see the hay, I see not a Hebrew letter. I see the blood that was put over the doorpost where the breath of God came through to deliver his people. Why? Because of his love. So in his language, I see his heart for me. I see his plan for me. I see his love. I want to learn the language of my father, the love language. And that's the point. That's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, come and experience. Come and experience something deeper than any religious practice or tradition or ordinance. Come and experience who I am. Come experience who I am that you may become who I am. Amen? That I might make you who I am. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting with verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. Watch this. Do you understand what he just said? I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good, not for evil. They are plans to give you future and to give you hope. That's the love language of my father. That's how he talks. You know, I told them in South Africa, they, they loved to hear me. They, they thought, we like your accent. I said, well, I'm glad y'all do. I said, you know what I told them? I said, it doesn't matter. You can get three PhDs. Yeah, I can't get rid of this accent. <laughs> Keeps me humble. Because I can't hide my roots. I'm from South Arkansas. <laughs> That's just the way it is. <laughs> So even my, my Hebrew, my Spanish, and my Afrikaans, it sounds just like this. 
<laughs> and that's all right. That's all right because it doesn't matter what my accent is or what language I speak. I want to talk like my father talks. I want to be able to just go into people and see people and say, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord God. I have plans for good and not evil. And though you have thought evil was all that you would ever know, but says the Lord God, I got good plans for you, says the Lord God. I've got a future. And it looks like your future has been, been aborted and, and destroyed. But the Lord says, I got a good future for you. Let me tell you about the future I've got for your life, says the Lord. And breathe hope and life into people. That's how my daddy talks. And I want to learn to talk just like my daddy. <laughs> See, because I don't need my mouth filled with my words. I need them filled with his. But my words don't do anything. My words sound like an like a old boy from South Arkansas. But his words have life. His words have hope. And he wants to put his words in your mouth today. I believe that. That is the essence of discipleship. God wants to put his words in your mouth. He wants to teach you to talk like daddy. I know the plans to give you hope in the future. And then, watch this, you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear you. See, when you learn to talk father's language, when you learn to talk like daddy, you know how you do it? You learn to talk like daddy by talking with daddy. You learn to talk like daddy by having conversations with daddy. And if you are having more conversations with you than with daddy, something's wrong. You need to have deeper conversations. You need to be asking him questions that probe his heart. How many of you have ever went to God with, in a time of prayer where you just said and asked questions that probed his heart? See, most of the time we come in prayer just to get. God do this, God give me that, God save me from this, God heal that, God do this, God this. But what about, what if you, what if you spend an hour in prayer just probing the heart of God, interviewing your father? Wow, you might learn something that you don't get from a sermon. You might learn something you don't get from a book from Mardell's. You might learn something more than that little plaque you got hanging on the wall you got from Hobby Lobby. You might learn something about the heart of your God. And if you, let's watch this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore. I'm going to stop right there. And I will restore. Everybody say, God will restore. Come on, listen to what he's saying. When you seek me with all your theology, is that what he said? When you seek me with all your learning, when you seek me with your degree and your title, when you seek me with your intellect, 
Then I will heal and I will restore. I will hear from you because I will be so impressed with your doctrinal understanding. Is that what he says? And why do we think that way? If you'll seek me with all your tears and you'll seek me by screaming a little louder, God! Jesus! Then I will hear you. Because <laughs> I'm growing a little deaf. Been a long time. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what he said? Then I will hear you. No, no, no. When you seek me, all your heart, not just your emotion, not your intellect, but with your labab, what you do. When you seek me with your pursuit of me, when you seek me with your passion for me, when you seek me with your surrender, when you seek me with the sovereignty of my authority in your life, when you seek me with all your neshama, your will is absolutely crushed and surrendered and placed in my hands, broken. I will hear you and restore you. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a great verse till you understand it. Then it's a call to something. It's called to seek him. I know the thoughts and the plans I have to you. Listen here. Barakamatash, the Rosh Labab, when you seek me with all your heart, the word heart, Labab, it's a verb. It's active pursuit through the entirety of one's soul. See, the kingdom of God is not a one time experience. You understand that? The kingdom of God is not a one-time experience. For the intent of Christ was that every day practical living, every day practical living was immersed in daily spiritual encounters with God. We talked about this in our men's group. How do we take the spiritual and apply it every day practically? Well, we've been taught, well, I'm going to put God first, family second, church third, and all that. But that's a linear approach. And if I'm, giving, if I'm supposed to give God 100% and I'm giving God 100%, how do I give my family anything? Well, then I'll knock God down to 80%, give my family 10%. Well, now what I'm my work, they're working 100% at work. Well, my goodness, if I'm giving God 80%, family 20%, what's left to give to work? Well, I just quit my job, sit at home, be spiritual. That's what a lot of people do. <laughs> that don't work out too good. <laughs> Come a Jesus hobo. No, that's not, that doesn't work right. I'm a hobo for Jesus. <laughs> how, do I, how do I balance this? How do I manage this? How do I make my spiritual practical? Y'all have heard the saying, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? That's what we're talking about. How do I? And so what we do is the only answer is we segregate our spirituality from our practical living. 
and I'm spiritual on Sunday, but don't catch me on Wednesday. <laughs> catch me on Monday then. How do I do that? Because this linear approach to applying God to my life doesn't work too well. The math just doesn't come out. So how do I do it? Well, we said in, in men's Bible study, we'll put, make a circle and put God in the center. And as soon as I put God in the center and drew a circle around him, first thing Woody said is, oh, that don't work. God's too small. Absolutely. And that approach doesn't work either. But what if I did this? What if I took my whole life as one big circle and everything outside of that circle is God and everything within is submitted to God? So that inside I put my family, it's in God. Inside of that's my work, it's in God. So when I go to work, I work in God. When I go to church, I'm in church in God. I don't separate church from God. God, come visit me at church. Church isn't just when I go to this building on Sunday. Church is every day I am the church because church is in God. And then I don't have to go to work and have this struggle, this conflict because they're telling dirty jokes and cursing and all this stuff. No, because at work, God's with me because I'm in God and God is in my work. Wow, that works a lot better. And, I, and when I go to church, I don't have to separate church from family because church is my family. Family's in my church. And the family and I, we all do church together. And church is just a part of who we are. It's part of the family. Wow. What a radical concept. Wow. See, that from your experience... This is the intent. It's that from your experience of God emerges the kingdom of heaven that others may encounter the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. I want to know if I could get two volunteers. I'll tell you what for here in a minute. I want you to experience and then I'll give you the explanation. <laughs> I mean, you know, in kingdom of God, sometimes that's the way it works. You get the experience, and then you get the explanation. <laughs> Moses encountered God in the burning bush, and then God said, I want a commitment from you. <laughs> Take your shoes off and get on your face. And he did. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Woody. I'm in. I'm in. Come on, Cindy. God says, I want a commitment from you. This is who I am. I am that I am. And once Moses committed, God says, now here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to make you deliver. I just want you to take just, just, just a minute and explain or describe an encounter that still stands out the most in your life where you had an encounter with God that changed everything. Oh, man, like one? Just one. <laughs> I know there's a whole list of them. Let's just yes, do one. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yes, there is. There, there are so many encounters with God for me because it's, it's every day, right? But I can remember, I'll tell you one, and this, take, this will take a minute. Some of you have heard it, but it's, to me, it was one of the ones that was like, you are a God who hears, knows everything 
I need. That's it. That's the one. I was a part. I was a part of a of a of a life group in yeah. in my old church in South Carolina, and the life group leader was a good man, but he couldn't sing at all, and he wanted to have praise and worship in his home group, and so he's. I was like, okay, well, I played a little bit of guitar when I was in high school. I'm not very good, but I could do that. I don't have a guitar though. I was broke. I was practically homeless at the time, and so I prayed. I prayed, Lord. You know, I just put it aside. Lord, you know the need, right? So then I was working three jobs at the time. One of them was working as, at the Poison Control Center in the, at the University of South Carolina at midnight on Christmas Eve because I was a single guy. And I was like, you know what? The other people, they've got families. I'll do this. So I volunteered for Christmas Eve. So then midnight Christmas Eve, I'm off, and I leave the, 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 um, this, the university to go to my laboratory, the medical school, to do some work. So I go to the lab, on the way to the laboratory, and then drive down the interstate, and then woo, had to move out of the way because there was something laying in the interstate. This is after midnight, Christmas Eve, right? So I was like, "Oh man, you know what? Somebody, some family's going to be coming along on the interstate. They're going to hit that black thing, whatever it was, and they're going to go on flat tire. They'll be stranded." So I pulled over on the shoulder, and I'm backing up, looking in the rearview mirror, like. What is that? This is a trash bag. What is it? It doesn't look like a trash bag. It looks like a guitar. It looks like a guitar. So I get out of my car and I look over. I mean, like, it hit the highway at 70 miles. Well, maybe 55, okay? 55. <laughs> Fast, right? It's going to be all shattered. You know, it hit the highway. So I get out of my car and I look over the top at this thing. It's an acoustic electric guitar. That's exactly what I had been looking for in pawn shops or whatever. Oh my I thought God was going to give me more of a job. Because I got three already. He'll give me some more work or something. And I'll learn enough you know, to buy some hand-me-down guitar at a pawn shop. It's a guitar. I go around the car. I pick it up. It's still in tune. <laughs> it hit the highway, slid down the highway, it's still in tune, but it smells like alcohol. <laughs> it smells like alcohol and tobacco. So I'm thinking, Jesus, <laughs> you snatched this guitar out of the hand of some demon, <laughs> and you left it here for me. So I'm picking it up. I put it in the car. I said, now this, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not a bag of trash. It's not a kitchen sink. It's not a broken box of something. It's exactly, exactly what I prayed for on Christmas. That's my God. Amen. That's my God. So I picked it up. I got it in the car, and I was like driving along. Okay, Lord, that is what I asked for, and I trust you that you put this into my hands, but maybe, maybe you want me to give it to somebody because I was already thinking, okay, is it just for me or is this for me to give? Because, you know, so then I'll, I'll skip because I'm going into my long story and I can talk, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, I got, to, I got to tell everybody in my hometown about that guitar because I ended up on the radio, on the radio on Christmas Day telling my testimony. Because I was just trying to respond to something somebody told me. We'll call the radio station and tell them you lost and found thing. They put me on the radio. I'm telling everybody about Jesus answering prayer and everything else. 
He knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. He knows where you are. He knows what your problems are. He knows who he can trust with a good gift. He knows what you'll do with what he puts in your hands. Because he has a plan. You know, that passage that Pastor Marvin is reading, right, from, from Jeremiah 29, 11, 13, right? When it says, a hope in the future, I looked it up. In King James, it's an expected end, right? It's two words, expected end. And what it is, it come, the first word, tikvah, comes from the word cord, like rope with a cord, right? And the other one is end, the end of the line, right? He knows what you need. He is going to give you what you need to find that home. The last place you need to, you don't need to move anymore. You're there. You're in his kingdom. He's got his hand around you, and you cannot be snatched out of that hand. He loves you like that with a fierce love. That's my God. And I'll tell you what, that story did change my life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen, Cindy. Me? Yep. It's you. It's me. It's you, my friend. Uh, wait, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> Just describe an experience you've had with God that changed your life. That changed my life. Well, he changed my life a lot. <laughs> well, tell them about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Tell them. Uh, let's see. What happened yesterday? The restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Okay, <laughs> so you know I've been. God's, I honestly never knew that God will use me one day, obviously. <laughs> but um, I'm learning how to be boldness, and I actually becoming bolding this year. And God used me, uh, an old friend from high school. She's we're class 2016, we graduated together. And I saw her again at Taco for Life. And um, so she looked familiar, and I was like, where have I seen this girl before? And then I was like, and then she looked at me, and she was like, yeah, we went to school together. You know, we graduated together. Class was like, that's right. That's where I have a memory. And so she took my order, and then, um, I don't know, I just felt like the Lord was just telling me, you should go pray for her. And so I did. I, I you know, I called her, and I was like, hey, you know, build that relationship again, and then I called her, and then uh, I prayed for her, and then I ended up prophesying on her, and, um, (laughs) and so um, she's been going through a lot. Her name is Kennedy, and I feel like we need to pray for her, but um, unfortunately, she couldn't be here because I don't see her, but I'll still pray for that, that she will be here one day, and um, I mean, who knew I would end up praying for someone. (laughs) Amen. There we go. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That's what it's about, experiencing God and then taking it out that others may experience the power of God in your life. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What in the kingdom of God... This morning, I want to ask you, what in the kingdom of God are you experiencing in your life today? Amen? What are you, what in the kingdom of God are you experiencing in your life today? 
So I flew to South Africa. I met Pastor Lynn in Atlanta. We flew to South Africa. And even on the way there, there was people I encountered and I ended up ministering to. Amen? And um, when we got to South Africa, we had the, the first, before the first service, we hit the ground ready to go, running. And um, we had different meetings set up, not just for church services, but to impact the culture. And so the first group that I ended up speaking to was a whole sanctuary, a whole room full of public school teachers, South African public school teachers in Peter Merricksburg who came to this meeting because somebody in that church had invited them and told them that we were going to have a session on education. So I talked about education from a kingdom biblical perspective and the power of a teacher and the, the assignment and the sovereign divine anointing that God can release on a teacher to change a child's life and impact a society and a culture. And so I talked about the power of the teacher that's been touched by the power of God. And I ha we had 10 Hindus came to Jesus Christ. Get out of here, 10 Hindus. You know how many God's Hindus have? A bunch. And so I made it clear in my, in my presentation that we're not talking about Jesus among other gods. We're talking about Jesus, the only God, the only one truth, the one true God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even with that direct, absolute proclamation, they came accepted Jesus Christ. Do you, do you understand? That means they had to denounce all their other gods. Then they took me to the police station. I've been there before in Mexico. Different circumstance. I go in there. And the chief of police, the head guy, who's, who's like a two-star general. No, he's a brigadier. He's like a one-star general in their police department. And a room full of colonels and other high-ranking police officers and detectives. And they put me in this conference room, this big, long conference table. And I shared my testimony. And, and I, I mean, we had police officers all in that room wiping tears from their eyes as the Holy Spirit was touching the police department. And I talked about the struggles they deal with every day. And I connected with them from my military experience and my testimony. And, and some of them said, you've just described our life. And I talked about how God, through Jesus Christ, and listen, these were Hindus, Zulus, all kinds of things, Muslims. And I talked about how the power of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God can give you peace every day, even in the midst of your conflict. I'm telling you, it was powerful. Then one day we went 
to the city council. And we met with the city council. And Pastor Lynn preached a little message to them and talked to them and Pastor Greg. And then they asked me to close it in prayer. And I closed it in prayer and the Holy Spirit stood up. I mean, just showed up because one of the, the, the head woman of the city council there said, you know, we have a problem in our city because there are generational curses on our city. And we're still dealing with generational witchcraft. And there are witches and curses from ancestry worship that are on our city. And so when I got to praying, man, the Holy Ghost took over. I broke those generational curses. I took the power, the name of Jesus, and I said that ancestry worship is broken over the city of Peter Marisburg in the name of Jesus. Woo! The city council told Greg, y'all will be back. I'm telling you, A door was opened for God to move. And our service, we began to have services. And seven over between seven and eight hundred people in the service, altar full every night. We had hundreds getting saved, Muslims coming to Christ, Hindus coming to Christ, and people being freed from ancestry worship and all kinds of perversion and sexual uh, abuse and all kinds of things. I'm telling you, we prophesied to hundreds, and I'm telling you, it's just the power of God was just overwhelming. It was incredible. Then we went to the hospital to pray for a man who was dying. They, they said he's not, get up here. They told Pastor Greg, get here. He's not going to live long. They've got him in ICU. They've got him. He's ready to die. He's going to die any minute, any day he's going to die. We went up there and prayed over here and prayed the, power, prayed the power of God. And when I left, he was still alive. And they couldn't believe he's still alive. I'm telling you, the power of God Israel, the kingdom of God is among us. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus declares, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Mark chapter, how many of you believe that? How many of you truly believe that all power in heaven and earth was given to your Savior? Not a Hindu God, not a Muslim God, not any, to, I'm talking about your God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 27, Jesus demonstrates it. And he says, and they were all amazed. And so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? Commands, he commands even the unclean spirits. And they obey him. Do you notice something was different? Jesus just didn't teach. He wasn't just just the next rabbi on the scene. The latest graduate of rabbinical school. They said, you're teaching with an authority that even those we give authority to teach, like you teach, it's something's different. Then they said, by what authority do You do these things. See, the world should be asking that about you. How is it that you live with such authority? 
What kind of Christianity do you have? See, most rabbis were given the authority to only teach what was widely accepted. But other rabbis were given the authority to give new perspective and do things differently. This authority was called smicha. And Jesus embraced this authority through the will of the Father. But the other rabbis challenged his use of that authority. But Jesus went a step further and gave this same. He didn't just walk in the authority. See, and here's the problem. The problem wasn't what Jesus was teaching. It was by what authority. It wasn't an authority given by the rabbis. It was an authority given by God the Father. And that there was the problem. And Jesus takes it a step further and says, i tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to take the same authority that was given to me by he who rules heaven and earth, and I'm going to give it to my disciples. Oh, wait a minute. You mean now that there's going to be a whole bunch of little Jesuses running around with the same authority of the kingdom of heaven that wasn't given to them by the local rabbinical authority. Jesus said, that's right. (laughs) He gave that same authority to his disciples that others might experience the kingdom of God. In Matthew 13, 52, Jesus declares, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now you understand what he's talking about. Again, in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, and he called the 12 together and gave them what? Power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. See, Jesus was calling them to a passion for the kingdom of God that they may embrace it and impart it into others. Let me ask you something. Do others experience your passion for Christ when they encounter you? There are three types of experiences we find. The first one is natural. Natural, The natural experience, that's bringing your spiritual life into everyday practical life that others may experience in Christ what you have. In other words, the kingdom of God should flow naturally out of your daily living. Who Christ is, that's why Paul said it's important to embrace and fully understand, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The second is artificial, not in a negative sense, But an artificial experience is this. It's intentionally creating opportunities for others to encounter the message of the gospel or the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I look for ways to create those opportunities. If you sit next to me in an aircraft, uh uh-oh. The next is memorable Drawing on past experiences and sharing them with others, we call this the power of our testimony. 
Pastor Woody said, I, which one? I've got so many experiences I've, I've had with God. And every one of those is from a repertoire of testimony where the power of God has been evidenced in his life. And at any point, it, God can pull and draw from one of those and use applicable to somebody else's life. You need to have those. If you've only had one, get busy. See, Christ has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit, smechah, or the authority to bring the perspective of the kingdom of God where others might experience it. If you've not had a kingdom experience lately, don't you think it's time you had one? If you have not had a kingdom experience lately, I think it's time you've had one. Amen? Well, how do I have one? Well, get on your face with God, cry out to Him, seek Him with all your heart, and then go find somebody needs to experience Jesus and let them experience Him. See, if you're not seeking, you're not seeing through the perspective of the kingdom. What you see in your life of the kingdom of God is directly related to your level of seeking Him. If you're not seeking, you're not seeing through the perspective of his kingdom. And what you see in your life of the kingdom of God is directly related to your level of seeking him. Little seeking, little seeing. Someone, somewhere, is desperate to experience the power of God in your life. And you don't have to go all the way to South Africa to find them. They're in your neighborhood, they're in your community, they're in your family. Believe me, it's a hard, long trip to South Africa. I'm still in a different time zone. But you don't have to go that far. There's someone desperate right in your sphere of influence. There's somebody who's desperate to experience power of God in your life and when that divine moment of opportunity comes what will they experience through Christ in you what will they experience if God presented the opportunity for somebody who's desperate to experience Christ in your life tomorrow what would they experience boring dead religious Jesus what kind of Jesus are they going to experience? Whatever kind you found. If you, all you found was a dead religious Jesus, hoping someday for him to come back and snatch you out of here so you, you don't have to live in this miserable world anymore, oh my God, take that Jesus over to the bar. He'll get drunk with the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that Jesus. Kind of Jesus you got? You got that religious domineering? You sinner going to hell? Kind of Jesus? Woo! Take your sign, go somewhere else. I don't want that Jesus. But if you have exalt and you have found the Jesus of that Bible that tells a prostitute who's about to be stoned to death, where are your accusers? Your sins have been forgiven. Don't you know I found him who has set you free?
you need that Jesus. If you ain't found him, keep seeking. Keep seeking. Keep coming to Jubilee. You'll find him. You'll find him and work half the devils out, one or two. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand with me, if you will. You are a part of what God's doing in the earth. Amen. How many of you believe that? You are a part of what God's doing. In this trip to, to the Navajo Indian Reservation, I'm telling you, it's, it's just the hand of the Lord this year. We ask God to send us to the nations, and that's what he's doing. Amen. Come on, if you'll stand with me this morning. Come on. God is, is putting the word of the Lord in our hearts. I believe that, that we're living in a time where God is putting his word in the mouth of his people. For those who have the heart of the Father, He'll put His words in your mouth. Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, if my people will come to me in a place of intimacy, if my people will come into my presence and, and, and not as a, a, a visitation, says the Lord God, but if they'll come into my house with a longing and with a desire, with a desperation, not of their situation and their crisis, but a desperation for my presence to know my heart, says the Lord. Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm looking for sons and daughters who speak like I speak. I'm looking for sons and daughters who hear as I hear. I'm looking for sons and daughters who see as I see, says the Lord God. I'm looking for sons and daughters who love as I love, says the Lord God. I'm looking for sons and daughters who stand as I stand. Who will stand in the way. Who will stand in the gap. Who will stand in the way of the enemy. And, then, and who will stand as light in the darkness. Whose salt has not lost its savor. Says the Lord God. Come on I hear the spirit of the Lord say. If I came and tested. If I came and tested and tasted. Of the spirit upon you. Says the Lord. Would it taste like the spirit of, of my throne. Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm looking for sons and daughters, men and women of God, men and women of my nature, men and women of my heart, that I may put my words in their mouth. I'm looking for sons and daughters, men and women, says the Lord God, whose, wor- whose mouths are not filled with their own words. Come on, come on. I'm looking for sons and daughters whose mouths are not filled with their own words, but say, Lord, fill my mouth with yours. Fill my mouth with yours. Fill my mouth with your words, God. For my words are life. My words are peace, my love, my joy, my hope. My words contain the breath. That restores and heals and delivers and sets free. Come on, will my words be in your mouth today? Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, will my words be in your mouth today? Will you purpose to let my words be in your mouth today? Come on, the Lord says, it begins with your opening of your ears and the, the seeing of your eyes. It begins with letting your mouth be filled with my praises and my worship. Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, I do not put my words in the mouths of those who won't worship. 
Come on, somebody who will not let the words of worship come out of their mouth. I can't put my words in their mouth. Come on, I'm looking for mouths. I'm looking for hearts. That out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks praises. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth declares my goodness. Out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth declares my glory. Out of the abundance of their heart, my mouth, their mouth, their mouth, their mouth praises me. Come on, Jesus. Come on, shout a praise to him this morning. Come on, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We prophesy. Come on, lift your voices to the name of Jesus. Come on, I've watched over these past this past couple weeks. I have literally watched every other name. I've watched thousands of gods called by many names bow to this name, to the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, I'm telling you, there is no name above this name. And every name will bow to this name. It does. It can't stand. I don't care what culture, what religion you're from. When you encounter the power of the name of Jesus, nothing else can stand. I've watched God demonstrate the power of his name. And I'm telling you, we serve the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, if you're still searching for the one true God, I'm telling you, I'm like Andrew. I have found him that Moses spoke of. Come on, we, we should not be silent. We should be a people who proclaim because we have experienced him. We have known him. We have encountered him. Come on. It is his kingdom. There is no kingdom above his kingdom. And we have found him as Andrew cried out to Peter. We found the one that Moses and the prophets spoke of. We have found the one, the Messiah, the living God.